When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main HeyYA podcast, we'll bring you a short-form podcast of YA talk across a wide range of topics. I'm Erica Ezefetti. Today I'm going to be talking about YA books with and about activism. But before we dive in, let's get into our sponsor. If you've got reading goals for the new year, it's time to check out TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes, whether you want comfort or stretch reads, and of course, what your reading goals are for 2022, and then sit back while they comb through your Goodreads account, if you have one, and handpick recommendations and must-reads for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail or three recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget, and the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. After each order, give your bibliologist feedback, update your request to stay in line with your 2022 reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Now for some books that have or are about activism. So with MLK Day having just passed not too long ago and Black History Month coming up, I thought it would be cool to highlight some YA books on and about activism. I feel like a lot of Black American history has involved activism, and it makes so much sense that YA books would have activist main characters, because that age range is a common time where I feel like people branch out from, you know, commonly held beliefs or things they were taught, maybe away from what their parents taught them or their community. And it's also a time where people start to have more agency and are able to better vocalize their feelings on injustices and attend protests and things like that. With that said, I'm going to hop right into the books. So my first book is called Band Book Club by Kim Hyun Suk and Ryan Estrada. It's illustrated by Ko Hyung Joo. So this is actually a memoir in addition to being a graphic novel. It's about Kim Hyun-suk. In 1983, she was entering college in South Korea. She was super excited to broaden her horizons, be opened up to this new world of literature and being able to kind of like interact more and learn more about Western literature and the rest of the world outside of South Korea. She came from a family that owned a restaurant and she felt like the restaurant was kind of boring, kind of a slog, and she was just ready to become this well-educated, well-spoken kind of girl. This also happened to be during the time of South Korea's Fifth Republic, which was a very scary time for South Koreans because it was this regime that was very violent. They used their military to rule over people. They believed in censoring books and censorship of protesters and violence and all of those terrible things. So Kim, um, when the graphic novel first starts, she's not really interested in politics. She's not really interested in finding out about those things. She just wants to go to school and make her parents proud. 
learn some things, all of that good college stuff. One of her counselors kind of backs her up in this at school, and they recommend that she just try to avoid trouble. There have been some student protests, and they say she should avoid all of those things and get into some extracurricular activities and join clubs. So she ends up joining a folk dance team, and interestingly enough, she meets this handsome editor of the school newspaper, and he invites her to his reading group. Now, Kim is imagining like, okay, this is what she wanted. She wanted, you know, to have this free exchange of ideas and to be able to really explore Western literature. She's thinking they're going to be reading and discussing Western classics like Moby Dick and other other books like that. But it turns out that is actually a book club for banned books. And they're underground because otherwise they would be viewed as dissidents and punished as a result. Kim is still open to the idea of this underground band book club because it is, she is someone who loves knowledge and a big part of why she wanted to go to college was to learn more about literature, as I mentioned before, read and discuss it with her peers. She is also scared of joining the book club at first though, because she was not really into politics. It just wasn't her thing. She slowly starts to learn things that are going wrong with the government though She also learns about the other book club members. She gets to know them. She starts to care for them. And she becomes more comfortable with them and with the resistance. There are moments of sweetness, funny moments, college students being college students, hanging out with friends, having fun, all of that extra good college-y stuff. That is juxtaposed against the more disturbing elements that come from totalitarianism, though. The government starts cracking down more on student protesters and people are opposing the government, and Kim herself actually was questioned at a certain point. The art fits the story very well, I think. It's in black and white and handles the sweet moments to funny moments, as well as the more disturbing, violent moments. It is kind of a simple manhwa style. Manhwa, if you're not familiar, is just the word for comics and graphic novels in Korean. I think this is really important for us to learn about as Westerners, because we just really don't have a good idea of other countries in general. Honestly, we don't just be real about the American education system and what things like geography and history lack. We're just going to be real about that. So it teaches a period in history in South Korea. I had no idea. It wasn't even that long ago, 1983. It's It's before I was born, but it's still, you know, in the modern era. I had no idea personally that South Korea in 1983 was under a totalitarian military regime. I like how this shows everything going on in Kim's life also. It shows what's going on in the country. It also shows her trying to balance all of those things, all of the aspects of her life, which are aspects a lot of people at that age are trying to balance you know, work life, family life, school life, budding romances. And I think it'd be interesting for anyone who reads this to note the similarities between certain ways of interacting with news and media that the last U.S. president employed compared to how the totalitarian government of South Korea in the 80s also interacted with the media. So that would be an interesting comparison. Seeing the title of this made me think of a recent news story I saw about a banned book club that had been formed as a result of recent book bans in the U.S. It's in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, and was actually started by an eighth grader. 
I'll include a link to it in the show notes, as well as a link to the latest censorship news article written by previous HeyYA host, Kelly Jensen. So again, that is Banned Book Club by Kim Hyun-suk and Ryan Estrada, illustrated by Ko Hyung-ju. Next book I have is This Is What I Know About Art by Kimberly Drew. Illustrations are by Ashley Lukashevki. This book is part of what's called the Pocket Change Collective Series, which is described as a series of small books with big ideas from today's leading activists and artists. This one in particular is about the art world and how it intersects with activism. She speaks of the need to make space for everyone in the art world and how art is not just meant for elite people in academia. Throughout the book, she kind of goes through her experiences in college and trying to be in the art world and connect with artists. And she noticed how a lot of the Black artists who had interested her early on and made her want to get into art in the first place were not in her college art classes that she was taking. So she's decided to write about her disappointment in seeing this, or rather not seeing the artists that she loved represented in academia. She began writing a blog with the intent purpose of promoting Black artists more. She also worked with art organizations like the Met in New York City. And throughout all of her positions, she always had a spirit of activism. And that translated to her always advocating for art to be more accessible to everyone, especially marginalized communities who might not have easy access to it. And within those marginalized communities, specifically people of color, people with disabilities. So throughout the book, Drew talks about just how she was able to advocate and enact change through her recounting this, she's also expresses how everyone is welcomed to art. Everyone is also welcome to protest and activism. And whatever you can do to contribute to either of those things, you should do and you should feel comfortable and welcome to do it. It's also a very short read. If that interests you, if you're kind of like not feeling like getting into anything too heavy, it's only 64 pages and has these kind of light illustrations at the beginning and end of each chapter. So that is This Is What I Know About Art by Kimberly Drew, illustrations by Ashley Lukashevsky. Okay, the last book I have for you is The Voting Booth by Brandy Colbert. Marva Sheridan has always been into politics and activism even before she was legally able to vote. She paid attention to politics. She's even volunteered to ensure that other people can vote as well. So one day when she's going to vote for the first time ever, she sees this guy who's turned away from voting. This distresses her, so she goes up to him to figure out why he can't vote because to her, voting is such a sacred right. She's been looking forward to this day for so long and just seeing this kid who's like about her age being turned away from voting It's just like she cannot accept that period. So the two end up spending the whole day together trying to make it so that this mysterious stranger, now we know him as Duke, can vote. They go from police station to police station. They skip school. They're getting turned away left and right. They're going through all these things just to make sure he can vote in time. And of course, they also learn a lot about each other. It is revealed that Marva has some complications with her white boyfriend who has decided not to vote and all the complexities of that relationship. And Duke himself is struggling with the great loss of his older brother. Duke is also mixed. His mother is white. His father is black. They're divorced, but they seem to both be in his life and are very protective of their surviving children. Just to add to everything else going on this day, Marva's cat Selma is missing. The cat is internet famous and actually known as Eartha Kitty, which I'm 
gonna have to get a cat and name her Eartha Kitty now. That's just the way it is. It's a brilliant name. So that is just another problem they're trying to solve in this wild day. And Duke in the beginning was not super looking forward to voting. He knew it was something he should do as a citizen. It was drilled into him at a young age, but he kind of just wanted to get it over with and go play with his band since they had a gig that night. So there is some character development, of course, that takes place since he was someone who previously didn't want to do something. And then, you know, he spends the day trying to achieve that thing he didn't want to do. So as you can imagine, there's going to be some great character growth there. And the characters overall are just very realistic. Yeah, there is some romance that develops, which you probably figured out by now, but it feels natural, especially after everything that is shared and you see how their personalities and everything kind of mesh together and how Marva had to deal with being the only black person, specifically black girl in a majority white space also rings pretty true, I think. So again, that is The Voting Booth by Brandy Colbert. So those are all the books I have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in as well as our sponsor for making the day show possible. You can follow me on Twitter at Erica underscore easy E underscore. That's Erica spelled with a C. Big shout out to Jen Zink, our audio editor for making me sound like a normal person. We'll see you next week on the main podcast where I will be joined by Tears of Price. Until next week, happy reading. Happy reading.